Let us all join together in the singing of our opening praise, paraphrase 30. Come, let us to the Lord our God with contrite hearts return. Read together the Psalm 146, which is our psalm for today. Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners." The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow of the way of the wicked. He turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. As the psalm begins, so it ends, and we're here to praise the Lord, to worship Him, and we trust that we have the grace and 
the help from on high to do that. As we come to prayer, do remember those that are sick, some in hospital. Sister Madge Bevan, we've been thinking much about her over the course of four years when she's battled with uh, the disease, and these days she's been quite low, but pray for her recovery. Uh, James Wallace is in hospital. We've been remembering James uh, during this time when he's in the causeway, and Horace Strong also uh, was in hospital yesterday. Do remember him. And there's been a good improvement with Alex Moffat, and we're glad to hear that report. He's out of hospital. He is improving. There is a visit taking place this weekend to Poland. Pastor Valentin and Larissa, Donald and Jackie Fleming, and I think one other, and they've gone to meet Ukrainian brethren with necessary aid. So that's taking place just now over the weekend. Pray for them, please. Let's bow together before the Lord. Eternal God and gracious Father, we gather in this church building for one main purpose, and that is to meet with God. We thank you for the meeting of the church and the people of the Lord who come to worship. And there is that fellowship that we enjoy, the one with the other. We come in obedience to this place, for we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. We read the signs of the times, and we know that that day is approaching when Jesus Christ shall come again. How needful for the church to be together, to encourage each other, to exhort one another in these days. We pray that we will live in the light of that day. And so bless this time together, the one with the other. But truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so may we know that today. May we experience that in our hearts, the Lord drawing near to commune with this congregation, to speak to us throughout the whole service, and we to speak to him in our hearts. Lord, as we sing the hymns, may we sing them prayerfully. May we seek to apply the truths of those hymns to our own hearts. We pray that we'll worship God as we sing, and may there be that joy in our hearts in worship. As we pray, may we have that very conscious sense that we're drawing near to the presence of God. We are bringing our desires before Him. And Lord, as we come to Your Word, we thank You for times of Bible study in the truth of God. Speak to us. Don't let us leave this meeting without knowing that God has spoken to our hearts personally. We believe there is a message for us all today, and we just cry to Thee for the grace to receive the Word, for the Holy Spirit to apply the Word. We know that it's possible to come to church and sit in a meeting and not benefit because our hearts and minds are not where they ought to be. We can go through the motions of of a worship service and yet be far from God. O oh Lord, draw near and make this a time to remember because God comes into the midst of the church and revives us and blesses us and sets us on fire. We were praying that already today in the early time that the church of Jesus Christ would be set on fire for the glory of God. We want to live with eternity's values in view Help us, Lord, not to be so taken up with the things of the earth. The hymn writer said, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and we look full in his wonderful face, then the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And Lord, we want to set our heart and our mind upon those things that are above, heavenly things. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And so, Lord, may we aim towards that. We're going to be there for eternity. This life is just so brief, just passing through quickly. The longer we live, the more we know that that is so. Help us, Lord, therefore, to make every day count for God, to live for the Master, for His honor and for His glory, to live, Lord, in 
the, the rescue mission that we ought to be involved in and bringing others to Christ. Teach us afresh that we've only one life and it will soon be passed. And it's only what's done for Christ that will last. Remember the dear sick of the congregation, Lord, we've mentioned these ones that have been in hospital or they're quite ill at the moment and we commit them into your care. We pray that thou will be with James and Horace in hospital. We pray for Madge at home that you'll bless her and Dave as well as he seeks to be an encouragement. May your gracious hand be upon them. Thank thee for the recovery with Alex for answered prayer. May that continue. We think of the many others that are on our prayer list and we commit them to your love and to your grace today. Remember those that have gone over to Poland this weekend. We think of the ongoing war. We think of the devastation it has caused. Lives lost. Many injured. And Lord, so many displaced. Millions of people displaced. So many in great need today, even in hunger and in thirst and deprived of of so many things that they're used to in their daily life. Oh God, remember that country. Bring the war to an end and bless your redeemed people especially. Provide for them. Thank you for the opportunities that are given and missionaries that are there, preachers that are there, local pastors that are maintaining the cause of God. Lord, we pray that you'll prosper the gospel even in dark days. Continue with us now and pour out your spirit upon this people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Warm word of welcome as you've come to the house of God today. May the Lord bless all of us as we gather here. And for those that are part of the service on the internet, we're glad to have you also. The gospel meeting is at 7, preceded by the time of prayer at 6.30. We commend the prayer meeting to you. And I want to speak on the subject tonight, barriers that God has set up to prevent sinners going to hell. If you're not saved, God has set up obstacles in your way to stop you from being lost forever. And we're going to deal with those tonight, and we, we trust you'll come back for the evening service. Refreshments will be served, and if the ladies can bring a packet of biscuits, buns, scones, pancakes, whatever uh, you're able to do, we'd appreciate that. Tuesday is the Youth Challenge at 7 o'clock. Tuesday is also a choir practice for the Hebron Choir at 8 o'clock. Thursday, the midweek service at 8 p.m. And we're going to have reports on the Sunday School and the Youth Challenge and then special prayer for the children of the church and of this town. Friday night is the Hebron Church Christmas dinner in the Macaraboy House Hotel Uh, eating at 7, so you can begin to arrive at 6.30, whatever uh, suits you, and get get your table. This is the final opportunity to put your name on the list. The the hotel needs it clarified and confirmed tomorrow. Saturday is a general clean-up day at the church here, inside and out, and after a good meal on the Friday night, you'll have tons of energy to be able to do all the work that needs to be done. Saturday's also the open air in the center of the town at 11 a.m. Remember the prayer meeting next Lord's Day at 8 o'clock, Sunday school 10.30, and Bible class at a quarter to 11. It's Mervyn for the month of December, and he's dealing with questions answered concerning the birth of Christ. And the first one next Lord's Day is why Mary? Worship service, 12 noon, We'll be coming in the will of God to our study in Mark again. And then throughout the month of December, we have special meetings. It is family night being the first Sunday of the month. So Christmas family night service, 7 o'clock. Charlotte Cahey from Porto Bogie will be here to sing. Uh, God willing, I'll be preaching. Supper will be served. And ladies, if you can please note uh, to bring half a loaf of sandwiches and one dozen buns. If all the ladies can help with that for family night. Tuesday the 6th of December, uh, just a mention to our senior uh, group, we have our fellowship Christmas tea, and that's at 11 a.m. Tuesday night is the Youth Challenge Christmas meeting. I know that the workers uh, and our coordinator are pushing towards a very special 
meeting on the Tuesday night. So remember this, pray over it. We had a very good one Tuesday week ago. Many children came in and were looking to the Lord for similar and better. Thursday, the 8th of December, the midweek service, 8 o'clock, and the reports will be from the Bible class and the youth fellowship and concentration, therefore, on the young people of the congregation as we come to pray. Friday the 9th, I want you just to pray for this. Most of you will not be involved, but there is a group of our Ukrainians going to McGilligan Prison for 11. It's actually 1 o'clock. So 1 o'clock, not 11, just in case uh, you're getting that wrong. I got it wrong. Uh, Sunday school Christmas party is at 7, and the youth fellowship that night will be visiting our seniors and they're to be at the church at 7. Invitations are available uh, for the Christmas party for the children at Sunday school. Can I mention then the 11th of September, Christmas Friends and Neighbors Night at 7, the 18th of December, our annual carol service at 7, on Christmas Day, the 25th, it's the gospel service at 7, all special meetings. Thank you for your tithes and offerings to God's work. Today is the home mission, and next Lord's Day is Let the Bible Speak and Missionary Covenant. Can I mention again the Covenanters' trip? I think there's still a few places. Only one coach is going, and there might be uh, nine or ten places left. So this is now being advertised uh, through our churches today, exterior to Balamani. So if you're going, please see Mervyn or Christine as soon as you can because the places are limited. We mentioned to you Madge, and we want you to continue to remember her and Dave as, she, as he looks after her. James in hospital, Alex is recovering, Horace in hospital, and the rest of those on the prayer list. Remember everything pertaining to the land of Ukraine, uh, our folks here and then back in that land, that the Lord will bless his word as it goes forth. Just to mention, Tuesday and Wednesday, in the will of God, I hope to be in Bezo, uh, meeting with the family of Stephen and speaking in two churches, meeting with pastors and elders as well for their encouragement, and I would appreciate your prayers. We also extend, as we did on Thursday night, our sincere sympathy to Alec and Roberta Taylor and the family circle on the death of Roberta's mother who passed away last Monday. We assure them of our prayers at this time. We've asked you to pray for David as he has now been placed as the student assistant in Antrim Free Church. Pray the Lord will make him a blessing there. He will be responsible for one day a week uh, in Antrim, some, doing some visiting and just learning what it is in church life, and what it is to be a pastor, a minister of the gospel, what it is to uh, conduct session meetings and committee meetings and so forth, all those things to help our students in their final year. We think of Stephen and Erwin and Rhonda. They've returned home. I was speaking to a couple of them this morning. Uh, I said we can supply matchsticks if they really need it, but they've had a good time and a busy time as we show these photographs on Thursday night. We mentioned Noreen and she might be listening in this morning, but we just congratulate her because last Monday she had a significant birthday. And we're praying for Pastor Florine. Um, he hopes to go in the very near future to help the needy in Ukraine. And these are just pictures of the areas that were visited by those that they're in partnership with uh, in recent days. So every, every face has a story to tell of great need in that country, and we continue to pray for them as they struggle. Uh, you hear the news just as much as I do, and these folks are going through really difficult times. Pray for them, please. We sing together, Revive Thy Work, O Lord. It's the hymn 641. Revive Thy Work, O Lord, Thy mighty arm make bare. Speak with a voice that wakes the dead, and make Thy people hear. Revival is to do with the church. It principally has to do with God's people. In revival, many souls are saved, but that's just the offshoot of revival. You can't revive a dead thing. Sinners need regeneration. 
believers need revival. But when the church is revived and God, the Holy Spirit, takes a dealing with his people and brings us to the place where we ought to be, then that creates at the same time a great spirit of evangelism. And the people of God are now reaching out to the unconverted. And God, the Holy Spirit, is moving in the church. And then very often souls are saved in great numbers. And we need revival, brethren and sisters. There's no doubt about it. So let's pray the whole way through this hymn that God will revive his work. Stand to sing. sister, Mrs. Jean McCauley, out again after uh, her accident that she had, and it's a delight to see her back in church. Trust the Lord will bless her. Also, a little birdie told me that Mark McConaughey has a very significant birthday today. Must be true. Uh, I think he must be 40 or something like that. But anyhow, we wish him well. And uh, good news about a little granddaughter of Julie getting saved this morning. So these are all messages that are coming through just to share with you before we come to the Word. Two weeks ago was Remembrance Sunday. And at the morning service, we brought a remembrance message. And as you know, we only got the introduction and the first point. 
We're coming back to that, and I trust that the Lord will speak to us now as we turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, and the opening seven verses will be the reading. Mark's birthday is maybe in the incoming week. So he's, he's still on the right side of 40. Amen. Most of you are saying, now I wish I was 40 again. Verse 1, Revelation chapter 2. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and they are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We finish our reading there at verse 7. We'll bow together in prayer and look to the Lord now for this time of Bible study. Our gracious Father, we pray for revival. We've sung down this hymn, every lie, revive thy work, O Lord. And we cry to thee, we trust from the very depths of our hearts that that revival will come. We pray that you'll disturb the sleep of death. Very often we know that the church of Jesus Christ is, is lulled into a sleep. Awaken us, Lord. Send that breath of God that we so desperately need in our day and generation. We pray for our beloved land. We pray for our nation at this time. God would come and visit as he has done in times past. Bless this, people. As we come to your word and we think of this Ephesian church, there's so much, Lord, to learn from them, so much to admire in them, and yet there is a very disappointing error that is found among this church, and we pray that you'll search out our hearts too. Rid us of our sins, rid us of our errors, Lord, if we are guilty of the sin that the Ephesian church were guilty of, Lord, show it to us this day and help us to put it right. Help us to get our sin beneath the blood of the Savior. Help me to preach now. Need the wisdom of God, the power of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. As Jesus Christ addresses himself to all the churches, the seven churches here in Asia Minor, he begins the same way. I know thy works. He knew everything about them. Every minute detail. Nothing escaped the attention of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew them perfectly. He knew them intimately. He knew them completely. As he knows all about us too. Nothing escapes his attention. Never you think for one moment that somehow there's part of your life out of the sight of God. The Lord knows you through and through, and he knows me, and he knows us all. He knew all about the state of this church, the serious defect that was found there. Though there were many good things about the church in Ephesus, yet there was this glaring sin, and it needed to be addressed. The Lord had to bring to this people this particular sin, and they had to put it right. And if they didn't put it right, they were in grave danger. And the danger was that their light would go out. In other words, the church would cease to be. 
It's an awful thing that you're, you're guilty of this kind of a sin and it's going to lead to your light going out either as a Christian or as a congregation. So the message of the Savior was straight and simple. It's the words of verse 5. We were thinking of Remembrance Sunday and we were thinking about this Remembrance text and Jesus says, Remember. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except I repent. We got to the first point. I'm going to recap very, very quickly. The first point, of course, was the commendation of Christ. There were good things to be said about this church. These people were not outwardly backslidden. Their backsliding was a a heart problem. They had not forsaken their testimony for Christ. They had not forsaken their stand for the gospel. They had not forsaken contending for the faith or their opposition against evil. No, outwardly, they looked as good as any church or any Christian might look. We noted what the Lord says to them. He speaks about their labor, and the labor here is hard labor. They worked hard for the glory of God, for the good of the church, for the preaching of the gospel. He highlights their patience. This was patience under trial and difficulty, as these days were. It was steadfast endurance. He draws attention to their dislike of evil people. He stresses how they had examined false apostles and found them to be false and found them to be liars. He commends them for not fainting. It's easy to faint in the midst of trial, but these people had not. And the Ephesians, he goes on to commend them for hating the deeds of the Nicolaitans. These details are very commendable. And I think it's true to say that any church would be proud to have a membership like this. Christians who work tirelessly for the Lord, patient in the midst of trial, able to discern false brethren, not weary in well-doing, for they faint not under the strain of Christian service. However, there was a serious fault in this church. And that brings me to my second point, and that is we have the declaration of Christ. What does Jesus declare? And it's all here in the little phrase, thou hast left thy first love. The Lord looked beyond the outward service of this church. He looked beyond the exterior things that were very commendable. He looked at the heart. And what did he see? A heart that had departed in its love. And I believe particularly its love for Jesus Christ. All the rest counts for little while our hearts are not right with God. And you can have all these commendable things, and and they are commendable, and yet they count for nothing if the heart is not right. Leaving your first love can be detected by your commitment to Jesus Christ, your faithfulness to the worship of God at His house, for your your desire for prayer, or your lack of abounding in the work of the Lord. But more importantly, leaving your first love is particularly to do with your love for Christ. You can have all the other things that are noteworthy, And yet your heart does not love Jesus Christ the way that it ought to. Of course, if your heart has the love it ought to have for the Savior, then all those other things will be prevalent in your life. There's no doubt about that. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I think that's the real acid test to our love for Christ. If you really love the Lord, Jesus says, keep my commandments. His commandments include faithfulness to the house of God, diligence in our labors for Him, desires for His throne, and all those other things that the Bible speaks about which ought to be found in us who know the Lord. Is Christ looking down from on high into this church, into someone's heart today, maybe into many of our hearts today, and He's saying to us collectively or personally, Thou hast left thy first love. 
Is that where you are right now, dear Christian? Is this a fair and an accurate description of your heart? You are not what you once used to be, if you're honest. William Kuyper highlighted this condition in his hymn, Oh, for a Closer Walk with God. Remember the questions that he asked. Where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed. How sweet their memories still, but they have left an aching void the world can never fill. What is the first love? What is Jesus referring to here? That's an important question. When he condemns the Ephesians for departing from this loving position, what does he mean? Well, maybe it's summarized in Kuiper's hymn when he speaks about when we first saw the Lord. Do you remember when you first saw the Lord? This will bring you back to your conversion, to the day when you trusted in the Lord. Oh, the happiness of that very moment, the joy unspeakable, and the love that filled our hearts when we experienced salvation, when the blood was applied, when our sins were forgiven and pardoned, and peace was imparted, and the gates of hell were closed, and the door of heaven was opened to us. Do you remember when you first knew the Lord, when you first came to Christ? Do you remember the love that burned in your heart for Him, the gratitude you felt with the knowledge of sins forgiven, the overwhelming desire to serve Him? Nothing was too much. No sacrifice was too great. You started off as a second-mile Christian. Do you remember that? How is it with you now? That's the question I want to ask you. Right now, how is it with you? Can you compare that first love with the love that you feel in your heart for Christ today? Do you have to confess that you're guilty of this awful sin which the Ephesians were reprimanded about, you have left your first love. I'm sure there are simple tests that you can apply to ascertain your condition of heart now compared to then. Your desire for the Scriptures, for example. Do you love this book as much as you did when you were first saved? or when you were walking really well with the Lord, is, is this something that you relish and you, you, you love to be in every day? Or we could think about your, your private devotions for, for prayer and meditation with the Lord. Are you as eager today as you once were? What about your hasty steps to come to the house of God? Oh, there ought to be a joy on a Sabbath day when you rise there ought to be a bounce in your step coming to the place of worship. Do you remember those days that maybe are not there today or your keenness to witness for Christ? You love to speak about him. You love to tell others about the Lord. What dominates your thoughts? That, that's another good test. Is it the Lord or is it something else? I know professing Christians and they would never think twice about missing a service on the Lord's Day or a prayer meeting. If they were feeling a little bit tired or a little bit unwell, I'm not talking about people that are really sick and can't be at church, but I'm just talking about people that are just feeling a little bit under the weather. They wouldn't think twice about not coming to worship. Or maybe if a visitor turned up, they would prefer just to spend time entertaining the visitor than coming to worship the Lord. But you know, they would never miss work. They would never miss school. They would never miss their sports or their hobbies or their amusements for the same reasons. I would say to such people who profess to know Christ and to love Christ, to look Him straight in the face and tell him that you still love him the way that you once did. 
that you still love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. There are Christians who never have a problem spending money on themselves. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Purchase of a new car, new furniture, new suit, new dress, plants for the garden, pair of shoes, a computer, an iPad, a smartphone, toys for their children. But they would never, ever dream about giving the same equivalent to the Lord that they profess to love. I want to tell you from the heart there's something wrong. Perhaps they need to look no further than the church here at Ephesus for what the problem is. And then I think of Christians who can rise early for other things, going on a holiday, going to work, traveling to a football match, and and yet they would never rise early to commune with God. And I'm not talking here about coming to the early morning prayer meeting. I would love to see you at 8 o'clock in this church praying on a Sabbath morning. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about in your own personal life that you can rise early for worldly things, earthly things. Things are important to you, but you would never think of rising early just to spend a little bit of time with the Lord that you say you love with all your heart. Now, these are just some illustrations, poor illustrations, that might strike a chord in our hearts and cause us to think. And Jesus is asking the question, lovest thou me? Do you love me, dear Christian? Do you love me, dear child of God, is what the Lord is asking. Can you look Christ in the face and and declare with absolute confidence, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the pleasures of sin I resign. Lord, my love for thee is as strong and as vibrant and as healthy and as sacrificial as it ever was. Maybe I should point out the departure from Christ is usually gradual. This sin here is usually in a gradual way. You can go through a whole day without communion with Christ, which I don't understand. If a person knows the Lord, loves the Lord, how could they possibly go through any day without communion with the one that they say they love the most? You stop coming to one meeting. It's not long before that becomes a regular thing, and you stop coming to another meeting and another. You skip one season of prayer, and it's not long before you skip another season of prayer, or you just, you just serve the Lord out of duty, nothing more, or to keep up the public view. In many cases, it may not even be detected by others, because like the Ephesians, you still labor for Christ, as they did. You still attend the meetings. You, you, you still hate sin and false men and those who tell lies, and you you have not fainted under the the, the pressures of the Christian life. But the heart is not right. You've left your first love. If you've attended a service way back here in these days in the Ephesian church, you, you might have thought, my, that's a vibrant church, and they're doing so much, and my, they guard the truth. And yet at the same time, you, you, might, you might just detect a vague, uneasy feeling that there was something not quite right, but you couldn't put your finger on it. You couldn't see the heart, you see. You couldn't discern the problem. You, you didn't understand that they had left their first love. But it wasn't hard for Jesus to see. Because Jesus knew their heart. And he knew how it was right in here regarding their relationship with him. Everything looked so wonderful on the outside, but, but Jesus saw the heart and he knew only too well where these people had gone wrong. What, what does Jesus see that I can't see or the person sitting beside you can't see or your family members can't see? What does Jesus see when he looks into the heart? Have you left your first love? I want you to notice, thirdly, the evaluation of Christ. And I want you to mark 
the three words, thou art fallen. As the Lord looks into the heart and, and, and he knows where these people are, they've left their first love, he says, thou art fallen. This sin is regarded as a fall by the Savior. In our assessment, we might consider this sin is not too serious, and we may not regard it as anything that's huge or, or anything that is terrible. When a man commits adultery, well, that sin is a serious and a deadly sin, and so it is. When a man is found out to be a liar, that's an awful sin. When he takes the name of the Lord in vain, that's an awful sin. When he craves after money and his life is one of covetousness, that's an awful sin. When he falls back into worldly ways, that's an awful sin. Even when a man stops attending church and, and forsakes his outward profession, yes, that's a serious matter, but surely not, not loving the Lord the way we used to. Not serving him with the same fervor. Not being as faithful to him and his work. That, that's not a big deal. Jesus calls it a fall. A fall. Thou art fallen. Christ does not deal or treat this lightly. The truth of the matter is, without love all is in vain. No wonder Jesus says, I have somewhat against thee. Thou art fallen. See, it's Spurgeon said, a church has no reason for being a church when she has no love within her heart or when that love grows cold. Lose love, lose all. This is so serious that the light of this church was threatened, as we've seen. It was in danger of going out. Jesus warned them sternly that unless they returned to him, he would remove their light. And that's what happens when a Christian or a church loses their first love. The light eventually goes out. And sadly, we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen it in some Christians. They've left their first love and the light is out today. And they're nowhere with the Lord. I want you to notice in the fourth place the exhortation of Christ. Remember, verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. What does the Lord say to this church? This church that he, he looks at and examines and, and right into the heart of these people, you've left your first love. What has he said to them? What's his exhortation here? It's summarized in three words. Remember, repent, and if I can put a word on the, the little phrase where he says, do the first works, it's return. And that's easy to remember. Remember, repent, and return. The first step to recovery and restoration for any individual who may have fallen into this state is to remember. You need to remember from whence thou art fallen. And this means remembering where you used to be, you, where you used to be in your love for the Lord and for one another. When the prodigal son was in the pig pen, the very first step to his restoration was remembering. Remembering what life was like back at the Father's house. It's always the first step in getting back to where we should be with the Lord. Remember the love that burned in your heart towards Christ. When you thought about him whom your soul loveth, when you considered his humiliation in the incarnation, when you pondered the great drops of blood falling down to the ground in Gethsemane, when Jesus wept and prayed with strong crying and tears, you remember when 
you meditated upon the sacrifice of Calvary's cross and you understood that it was for you. Remember. Remember how you once attended worship with joyful hearts. The songs of Zion thrilled your soul. You sat with an eager heart, drinking in the word that was preached. You couldn't get enough of preaching. You couldn't get enough of Bible study. You couldn't get enough of fellowship with God and with his people. Do you remember that? Remember the enthusiasm of Christian service. It was never a drudgery to go the second mile, to go on an outreach, even to do a little bit of manual work around the church or make a supper, provide a tea. These things were not chores. You looked at them as opportunities just to serve the Lord, albeit in a background way. Remember when, when Bible weeks and missions and missionary conferences and conventions and special services were high on your agenda. You couldn't wait to get to those special times. Remember how you used to spend precious time in God's Word and how you loved to pray and how you wakened in the morning looking forward to sweet communion with the Lord Himself. Remember, you used to love to, to gather with other Christians. Your, your soul was knit with them, just like David and Jonathan's soul were knit together. These were your spiritual brethren and sisters, and you cherished their company. You cared and supported each other. <clears throat> you walked together in sweet fellowship and concord. Remember how excited you used to be and telling others about the Savior, witnessing to them, exhorting them to be saved, inviting them to gospel services, weeping over them that they might come to know the Lord. Remember, remember, remember. This is the first step, says Christ. Remember from whence thou art fallen. And then he says, repent. <clears throat> That's the second step. There must be inward grief and shame over our failures for this sinful departure that the Lord speaks of. We, we must blame ourselves, not others. There's Christians today, and they're backslidden, and they don't love the Lord the way they used to love the Lord. And they've left their first love, and maybe even left a lot more than that. And you know what they do? They blame other people. They blame their circumstances. They blame their family. They blame some other Christian. They've been looking at another Christian and they've been stumbled instead of looking to the Lord. Don't blame other people. Those people didn't save you. Those people didn't deliver you from hell. They didn't take you off that road, that broad road, and set you on the narrow road to heaven. No, it was Jesus that did that. If you have departed, you have departed from Christ. And there's only one person to blame, and that's yourself. Oh, there may be circumstances, and there may be people that have caused you to stumble. But you've looked at that instead of looking to Christ. You see, it's possible to live in the first love. Jesus would not condemn a congregation for leaving it if it wasn't possible to live in it and to be there with Christ every day. We must be truly sorry. Repentance means we condemn our sins. It means we confess our sins. It means that we cease from our sins. And it means that we change direction. That's what repentance is. Jesus says, remember. He says, repent. And then really he's saying in this little phrase, return, do the first works. That's the third step. This is the command of Christ for our recovery. Remember from where you're fallen, that brings you back to when you lived in the first love, when you first knew the Lord, when your, your life was on fire for Him. When you remember that and you see it, then you repent. You turn from it. You confess it. You bring it before the Lord. You forsake it. And then you get back to where you ought to be, what you used to be, 
This is the message of the Lord for such a church. And it is good advice. In fact, it's more than advice. It is a solemn command. The Lord's not just advising this church here. He's commanding this church to go back to where they used to be. Or else, or else, I'll take the light away. That's how serious the matter is. That's how dangerous this matter is. Matthew Henry said, they must, as it were, begin again. Go back step by step till they come to the place where they took the first false step. They must endeavor to revive and recover their first zeal, tenderness, and seriousness, and must pray as earnestly and watch as diligently as they did when they first set out in the ways of God. How often we're guilty of this, men and women? How often we detect this sin in our own hearts? We're not what we once used to be. Maybe that's, that's you today. You've left your first love. The Lord in his mercy, he would write to you, he would speak to you as he did with these people, these Ephesians. And he'll say to you, listen, I want you to remember from where you're fallen. I want you to repent. And I want you to return, get back to where you were. May God help us to do that if that's what needs to be done right now. Let's pray together. We're in God's house. We're before the Lord. We're before the Christ who, who said to every church, I know thy works. Nothing's hidden from me. And maybe today the Ephesians describe the condition of your heart. Has God spoken? What should I do, preacher? Do what Jesus says needs to be done. Remember, repent, and return. Lord, do a work of grace in all of our hearts. How easy it is to get away from what we ought to be. To be taken up with other things. And, and yes, still be here on a Sunday. Still be at the gospel meeting. Maybe even at the prayer meeting for that matter working hard, hating sin, standing for the Lord like these Ephesians were. And yet, right inside, there's, there's a problem. And the heart's not right. Lord, put your finger upon it. If, if we're guilty of it today, put your finger upon it. May, may the congregation not hear so much what the preacher has said today, but what the Lord is saying through his word. I want to hear from heaven. Yeah, the Holy Spirit apply the word. And Lord, give us grace to put things right, to get back to where we ought to be. What a tragedy to come to church and to listen to the Lord's message to the Ephesian church and not do something about it. Oh, Father, we leave ourselves in your hands. Please work on us that which is pleasing in your sight. Bring us to the place where we ought to be for God every day, not just on a Sunday, but every day. Give us a love for Christ that is seen. Give us a love for Christ that is felt in the heart. Give us a love for Christ that is unmistaken and certain that we know for sure we love the Lord. And if he were to ask us, as he asked Peter, lovest thou me, we'll be able to say, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Apply the word, therefore, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We come to sing that hymn that I quoted from earlier. It's 416. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads me to the Lamb and all the challenges that follow. Where is the blessedness I knew? May God speak to our hearts as we 
sing these words together. these things. Help us, Lord, to take your word home with us in our hearts and to meditate upon it, to take down even these verses in Revelation 2 and think about them again, ponder over them. And Lord, we just pray for that work of divine grace to be wrought in every heart. Draw us closer, closer to Christ. Give us a love for him, perhaps that we've never had before. Help us by your grace to live in the first love, with enthusiasm and joy and gladness to serve the Lord and to be what we ought to be as your people. Separate us now with your blessing. Keep us through the afternoon and visit us again tonight in the power of the gospel for Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>